This is an Ask Brothers production. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Ask Brothers Rant. Download all our content on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Spotify. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to smash that subscribe button. Enjoy. I think we're live. I think we're live. He says we're live. Welcome to another edition. Liam, Hammond's just walked behind you. I haven't seen that before. Welcome to another edition of Thursday Night Live. The upbeat, funny, topical Arsenal podcast. <laughs> Liam, that's very disconcerting. Someone keeps walking behind you. It, it, it's my, it's my miss. I'm at my missus. All right. <laughs> She's just run past to grab something. Okay, look, this is the podcast that puts the support into supporters, the fan into fanatic. What else? The uh You should have thought this through. Yeah, I should have, shouldn't I? I wanted to I wanted to <laughs> That voice Just you can je- hear anyway is Liam, my regular uh, guest. Hello Liam, how are you, mate? Howdy guys. Yeah, just about in time. Just but we're here anyway. Yeah, and How's uh, it going? for those of you expecting to hear a very grumpy Max, because he's always just got up at six o'clock in the morning to do this pod. We've given him the week off. Max, hope you're having a nice lie-in. If you do wake up, come and join us. Uh, but we've got a new special guest in tonight, Jack. Um, we uh, we have spoken. Actually, I don't even know Jack if we've been on a podcast together. Jack, who uh, has been on many things in the past, including uh, the Clock and Talk podcast. I think you were on the review show yesterday. Um, Correct. Some history of Arsenal fan TV. I no longer. Yeah. yeah, nothing to do with that shit show anymore. <laughs> three years gone, three years clear. <laughs> Welcome, Jack, to the podcast. Look, for those who don't know you, um, I can see people can find you at the Plug AFC. Is that where you are? That is correct. That is a uh, that is where you guys will find me. However, that is soon going to be re. That is soon going to be uh, chucked off. But for are you? Other um, are you? Uh, sorry, I was just looking down at something I wrote because I was just. I'm still trying to think of some other one fan in, to put the fan into fanatic, the support into supporter, and I'm thinking of a third one, and it's not coming to me. I did think of one earlier, but the reason we got Jack on, and this should be a really positive podcast because Jack, I've listened to you on the Clock In Talk um, podcast. Uh, I didn't manage to catch yesterday's review show yet, but you do watch the game a little bit like me. You are actually a season to get older. You do go to the games. And you're quite a positive Arsenal fan, if I'm not wrong. Yeah, no, correct. I mean, I've been uh, I've been going to Arsenal for, and I, I find it mad that I can say it's because I'm uh, I'm only um, I'm only about to turn 21, but I've been a, been a season ticket holder now for about 15 years. Yeah. Um, I um, three or four years ago, um, I was uh, I got onto the away scheme after a long a long uh, wait list. And look, the clubs all in my life. I mean, just to just give you guys a bit of background. I mean. Arsenal's kind of been in my blood since the day I was born. I mean, I'm not sure what the cultures are in countries or whatever the listeners are listening to, but in, in the UK, um, obviously when you're someone's born, you normally put a picture of their sibling in the cot. Um, I was the firstborn, so my dad thought it'd be a good idea to put a picture of none other than Nwankwo Kanu in the cot in his, <laughs> in his Arsenal shirt with the with the title. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the, honestly, um, my my first game was in the Invincible season, was that 4-2 at Liverpool. Um, and I've loved the club ever since. I mean, I, I personally have the, the mentality that as a fan, yes, you can criticise the club in some ways. However, for the 90 minutes you're watching the game and also hereafter as a fan, it's our job to support the club, not to sit there and constantly abuse and, and, and judge everything and rule things out. Because it's the one thing which, which I, I do agree with in particular, that with Arsene always said, and he got a lot of stick for it, which was that it's not over till it's mathematically impossible. And I know some may call me delusional for thinking that way. However, it is, it is true. I mean, how, even the season alone is, is a prime example of that, as we'll get on to, to shortly. But um, look, I, uh, I love this club. It's, it's, been my, it's been one of the... I've had quite a, a rough life in, in some ways. Um, and it's been one of my only constants all the way through. And I'm not sure if it's that or if it's just because it's how I was brought up. But I love this club more than anything. And I, I, I look, people say that they, that they wouldn't support the club or they boycott games. If I'm being honest with you guys, I'd be going home and away, even if we we're in the conference. But that's just me. And, and I'm a bit of a freak like that. I mean, uh, if I can get to an under-23s game, I will, whether it's home or away. Same with the women. Um, and literally, I I'll watch any game. 
<laughs> I know this isn't going to really get me any brownie points at Arsenal, but I just, there's a limit for me. I, I, I can, I don't mind watching the odd highlights. I see the odd goal, but I can't do You've the women the, in the same way. I just don't. In, I don't have that same connection with the, with the women's team. Neither, neither. But the trick is, is that if you so if you disassociate the two sports and in theory watch them as different sports together, in the sense that you don't expect the same thing for women's football we do for men or vice versa, it actually it enables you to watch the game in a different way. And I don't look. I don't watch a lot of women's football. Don't get me wrong, but like. If I've got nothing to do and there's a game on at Meadow Park, I will go. I will go to the to the youth games a lot more. I'll go to probably one or two women, uh, female games a season. The under 23s or 18s, I'll go probably to like somewhere between six or ten plus. Also, every single first team home and away. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Liam, <laughs> Liam is put us to shame, isn't he? I'm je- I'm stuck over here in the Netherlands. I'm I can't do. My- All I've got to do is pray that we draw a Ajax final, PSV, or, or somebody in the Europa League or. Uh, I nearly got to Frankfurt last season because in Groningen, where I live, um, we're quite close to Germany. So I tried to get to Frankfurt, um, but it ended up being a bit too far away. Yeah, it's yeah, uh, not, it's, not, it's not really it's not really just really quickly. So last uh, before lockdown, so February last year, um, I went to I went to Amsterdam for Valentine's Day with the missus, and she surprised me with a. Uh, with tickets to go watch Ajax against some shit team like bottom of the league or something. And then the game clashed with our game at home to Newcastle. So I thought to myself, right, I've got to go to a lot of games. I'm going to be able to go to more, obviously. So like, I'll go. Obviously, annoyingly, lockdown started soon after. But I left the Ajax game 10 minutes before the end, got on the train straight to Central. I'm the nearest coffee shop with stream football. And I was there watching the Arsenal for kickoff. So, uh, <laughs> see, we got me, see, me first and, me priority and is always the Arsenal. <laughs> Me and Jack can swap these stories all night, Liam. I remember taking my missus on a romantic weekend to Rome and the flight was a little delayed. And as soon as we got there, I got her, um, got her out of the hotel, said, come on, let's go for a walk. Now, this is my first time in Rome, which I've got to say is absolutely fantastic city. city. Beautiful, beautiful city. And Depends I'm where you go. And she's saying to me, my wife said to me, look, look, look up. Uh, and I'm following me, me me phone trying to find this bar that I've Googled to find out the Arsenal game. It was an opening game of the season, I think, against Liverpool. And she said, stop, stop, look, look. And I'm and I'm saying, no, look, look, we've got to get there. I'm going to miss the kickoff. She said, stop, look. And I looked and I'm running past the Coliseum. Hadn't even noticed it because I wanted <laughs> to go to this little Irish bar and watch yeah, Arsenal play. You know, it's just <laughs> just the way it is. So, I mean, look, let's, let's keep on this uh, a little bit. I mean, those of you who listen to this, uh, this, this show regularly, people who have been listening to me for a couple of years know my view on Arsenal. And I, I really hate Arsenal fans, you know, but I've, I've started to look at it a little bit differently this year. You know, there's there was the horror with Wenger and how that all finished and then, you know, how people treated Emery and, and all that. And then Arteta, it just, it just continues. Fans are just never happy. But I sort of realised that where I'm different, and I think this ties in a little bit with what you said, Jack, is that when I, well, it's the 90 minutes, don't think. Don't get me wrong that I don't have favourite players. Don't get me wrong that I don't have players I don't like. I do. That's just natural. But when those players turn up on a pitch, I will support them for that ninety minutes. If they have, you know, I am desperate. I was desperate for Jack Xhaka to start playing well. Xhaka's not my favourite player, but I've been desperate for him to play well. Aubameyang's not my favourite player, but I'm desperate. So while that ninety minutes is on, if you watch the game with a blank canvas and you go to that game as if you've never seen those players before, and then watch them and make your opinion based on that, and not go in with preconceptions about how bad certain players are. And I don't understand why people want to watch football when they're just hoping that certain players will have bad games to support their their their, their whatever it is. You know, I, I just want those, those fans to actually just look at the game and enjoy it. It's a lot of fun being a supporter. There's a lot of fun when you're doing bad and you really have to get behind the side. There's a lot of fun in being part of a tribe and part of this, this communal family that really wants the team to do well. And I just don't understand fans who just want us to do badly or want certain individuals to do badly just to support their case. Am I right, Jack? I, I agree with you. I, mean, I feel like there's, there's two different elements in here. I mean, I think there's one where there's an unfortunate um, significant level of kind of an entitlement in the fan base in the sense that fans expect us to be the Arsenal. Um, when the fact is, is that they don't understand that how the game is modernised and, and, and how, how, for example, it takes X amount of years to build a project. And I feel like there's the hint of that. And then they see teams like Chelsea, as we'll probably get onto in a bit, but have this short term, really quite narcissistic approach. Um, and they think that's the way you need success. And I feel like as fans, like 
as you said perfectly, we have to be there to support them. I mean, I remember um, probably my, my first season again with the with the away scheme. Um, the one most notable like, notable experience which showcased it was someone like Awobi. Now, for me, when I see someone who's come through the academy, I'm supporting them no matter what. There were games when Awobi would be very very good, but if he let's say let's say for example it was no no. Um, for example, West Ham away that year, the nil-nil. Um, he took a shot. He, he was one of the only players that, that, that made the effort to go take a shot outside the box. And he didn't miss it by much. I'd say it was probably about two or three feet um, sort of wide, but like from outside the box with a lot of defenders there. So it was a good effort. You have people sweat effing and blinding at him and everything. And it, and it made me think to myself, look, is this a racial thing? Or is this just because that he's not a name, like James Neymar? Because players like that, you want to support. Like even now, like, look, I don't think that um, the... the that someone like, say, Willock or, or Eddie, to an extent, are in there for, to be, let's say, in a title-winning squad. But when they play, they've come through our academy. They're our boys. They're our kids. They have Arsenal DNA. You support them. Don't just find any excuse to do something. Like, even Willian. Don't get me wrong. He's been shit. However, it, look, it's different because we're not a games now, so I can, I, I can only presume what it would be like. But I can, I can picture if he made one bad touch and out in front of an away end, he'd be getting every bit of stick under the sun. You're shit, blah, blah, blah. You, you know how it goes. Whereas for me, yeah, I just still want him to do well. Like even the other day, Pepe against Southampton, the first game, not the second. Pepe had a good game, right? He create, created five clear cut opportunities, right? If Eddie would have, if Eddie could finish in those sorts of positions, if we had Lacquer or Bami in there, Pepe probably would have ended up with two or three assists. However, people are so quick to to hammer him, and I don't know if that's again because of agendas or if that's because I think with social media, fans tend to micromanage everything without understanding that football is a game where mistakes are made. Yeah, I think, uh, especially, the, Liam, I'll come to you because uh, obviously Jack talks more than Max, so we're going to struggle to get words easier tonight. Um, but uh, I, I thought that was, last night was a really good example. I think Pepe's, I like watching Pepe. You know, obviously it's not all working out for him, but he's producing goals, he's producing assists, he's trying things. You know I mean? He may give the ball away more than most, but that's because he's trying to beat players. And, you know, it's not all working perfectly for him. But I thought there was a comment on the television last night which really wound me up. They said £72 million Pepe really needs to step up, you know, and they keep bringing up the price tag, which is a new name, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, and and yet in the same breath, then they put camera focus on Saka and they said, Saka, brilliant player who cost the club absolutely nothing. Now I'm thinking to run an academy and to, you know, to get these boys in from all over the world to do what they do, that academy costs money, you know? It didn't cost us nothing for a start. It really didn't cost us nothing. There's a lot of work goes into producing world-class players and and hopefully we've got one in Saka or we will have one in Saka. But that's the thing is that they've decided that Pepe, because he costs 72 million, is rubbish and Saka, because he costs nothing, is fantastic. Balance it out. Watch them as footballers. Forget where they come from. Forget anything. Just watch them and, and reward them on their merits. Um, Jack, um, sorry, Liam, um, uh, it was brought up there, Jack brought it up about Chelsea. Where do you stand on that? I mean, we wanted to sack our manager. Uh, sorry, when I say we, that's well, Let's the... not get carried away. We did. Yeah, yeah. Some Tries to play this. When I'm saying <laughs> we, I'm very much saying we as in the... the, the General the, fan group. I would say the, the majority of the social media crowd had had enough and thought he should go. And, you know, you, Liam and Max, when he was on a couple of weeks ago, were also questioning, right to question, but saying that, well, if he doesn't win the next couple of games, then he should go. Uh, and, you know, and I was, I just couldn't understand it. If the club have made the decision to to take a punt on an inexperienced manager, then let's give him some time to build his side. If it doesn't work out after 18 months, two years, then we'll review that situation. Absolutely. Got no problem with that. But, you know, he, he's, he's basically a year into the job. Let's give him a chance to build his team. I mention it every fucking week. George Graham, you know, didn't have that defence when he took over at Arsenal. He he, he got bold. He, he, so he had he had Tony Adams. He brought in Stevie Bold and Lee Dixon and Nigel Winterburn, and they become heroes at the club. Arsene Wenger didn't have Patrick Vieira. Didn't have Thierry Henry. He had to model a club in his image. It was Bruce Rioch's side before that, which was bloody awful. So you know, um, we we had that sort of call. I, I'm still it's, just, it's still a question, Liam. I'm doing a max. It's a question. <laughs> Getting there. Yeah, but so Arteta, you know, there was discontent around the club about Arteta. And and we stuck with him. Hopefully we're going to stick with him for a while to we'll see what he can do. 
Uh, and he's got through that. He's then won five out of six games. We're on the up and everyone's happy. We're playing some great football. All things good. Over the road at Chelsea, you know, just down the road in West London in Chelsea, they have sacked a manager yet again. Uh, you know, Lampard, one of the promising young English managers, they've given him, what, a year, 18 months, and he's gone. What do you, where do you stand on that? Where, who's right? Um, I... I... I know it's a really easy comparison to make, but I don't actually like doing it. Um, the reason being that, you know, the things that go on in the club are so different between the two. So when I looked at Arsenal, I, I questioned the players more than I questioned uh, Arteta himself because I can see things that Arteta's trying to do to build this squad up. And I just, just didn't think the players were capable. I just don't think they have the quality. And that seems to be kind of evident from this, from these two Southampton games, I guess, because. I didn't see an awful lot of difference in the way that we played the two games. It was just we had different personnel really? on the pitch. Not immensely. Maybe there's some different things here or there, of course. What, what, what game are you check. watching? <laughs> no, I mean, what, what we, I'm we, trying to say to, is... In, in yeah. No, no, no. What I'm saying is, obviously, there's a, there was a big difference in quality. We weren't good in on uh, on Saturday. We were pretty pretty decent on... Uh, actually, I'd go as far as say we were quite good on Tuesday. Yeah. I'm saying what the way that Arteta's trying to get them to play is largely broadly the same, but the personnel trying to carry out those instructions is different. And you see the difference when you have a quality player, when you have Saka, um, I don't mean to bash players, I don't like to do it, but instead of Willian, for example, Saka does more on that. I guess they played in different positions as well. So it's a shit example. But when, when you see the likes of Stacker coming in, uh, Smith-Rowe is a better example probably for Willian. He just has this connectivity and this better energy off the ball and he brings players in, he looks more forward. So largely the game plan was largely the same, but the different players on the pitch sort of told the story. Now, now going on to Chelsea, when I, I don't watch Chelsea that often. Um, so I, I'm not sure how, you could probably take this with a pinch of salt. But when I did watch them, I generally felt like Lampard was not really utilising them the best way that they could. So, for example, they brought in Havertz, who's predominantly this number 10, but he plays a 4-3-3 system. So where the heck do you get Havertz in? Uh, Timo Werner, second striker, plays him on the left wing. Uh, Ziyech is probably the only one who's played in the right place on the right wing. So there are these things that, I just couldn't understand what Lampard was trying to do with the group of players that he was given. Um, so that's where I can, I think he was handicapped in that. I don't think they were his signings, but generally I didn't really see what Lampard's game plans were. So I could see why they wanted to move him on. Whereas we would keep Arteta. Well, yeah, I understand that. I mean, I spoke to, I'll come to you on this Jack as well, but I, I came to, um, I, I had a call last night from a, a Chelsea mate, uh, just after they'd drawn again nil nil under their new manager. In fact, I'm really honest, I didn't even know that he'd, he'd signed um, after having a car crash and all that. My head, all that. Uh, but uh, he said, when I said, "What you like sacking managers every eighteen months?" He said, "It works. We're happy with it. It works." He said, "We've what well, if, if a player's rubbish, get rid of them. If a manager doesn't work after eighteen months, get rid of them. Look at our record. We, you know, he said we keep winning." And we keep changing managers. Tell me we're wrong. And he said, Jack, it's quite, uh, you know, I mean, I hate that attitude, but you can't argue with it, can you? You kind of can. They don't really want anything big for about three, four years. If you think yeah, about so it. Manager. <laughs> but, um, no, look, I mean, I mean, look, if I'm being honest with you guys, like, on the whole, um, I think it's, I think it's a shocking decision for, for, for two different reasons. I think when you're bringing in a young manager, um, and let's be real, this is this is a fact. So people can try and argue this, but it, it, it's, it's true. You, you you know they're not going to hit the ground running straight away. And if you think they are, you're slightly delusional. Because look, Lampard, I would say, had about look. You could say a year at Derby's experience, but if we're being realistic, it's not. It, it's the same as it's not that much more than Arteta. And I think I, I think that for record, I wasn't. Called, I meant, didn't mean you guys delusional. I meant like as in like people in general with that viewpoint. Just to lay that one out there. Um, the thing is, is like they they need to trust that he's going to implement a system and a structure, and it's going to take time, especially when you've had a transfer ban. Um, and I think it was a harsh decision. I mean, all you've got to do is look at the complexity of this table, and it, and you'll acknowledge that 
as like, anything's possible. United was 16th about six weeks ago. We were in the shit. If we were to get, if we were to win on a couple of our next three games, we're already looking like we're somewhere between fourth and sixth. Do you know what I mean? Everything can change around. And I don't think they gave him time to do it. I mean, they're still in the FA Cup and the Champions League. Like, if it was me, I would have sat him down and said, look, you're not doing what we want you to. We're going to give you to the end of the season. At that point, you sound out other managers for the job. And that's not even necessarily managers that aren't already in a job. So that could be a Brendan Rodgers or even a Nuno or anyone in a job. See what your options are and see what the best decision is in summer, whether Lampard's had it around or if you can get another guy in. But I just think they were very premature with this one. And, and, I, and I don't think it looks at all well on the club. And I think when you're doing it, what they've always done, especially to a club legend, I don't think it's going to make the club seem that attractive to, to other future managers because Tuchel's not going to be there more than a year and a half. Like, do you know what I mean? You're on mute, Darren. I was coughing. Um, I, I tend to agree. Thank you, Liam. I was on mute for briefly there. Hello, Russ, by the way, has joined us. This, by the way, we haven't got many comments in today because we are actually going out an hour earlier than normal. Plus, there were the link to Periscope didn't work, so we haven't... Uh, we haven't advertised this show tonight, but it will be going out as a podcast, which is how most of you are listening to this. You should catch us on the live show because we're very, very pretty. Uh, <laughs> come yeah, on, my, Liam. You... My avatar is gorgeous. I mean, <laughs> I mean, but I think this, you know, this thing with Chelsea, it, 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 where I say it works for me, it's 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 horrid that you've got a, a an eighteen month uh, tenure at a club and then you, you're out. I really don't like it, but. Tuchel, Tuchel's just gone in there from PSG where he's just been sacked. He's probably looking at it. I'll get 18 months, good pay at Chelsea. If I can do something, I'll get a big contract and a big payout. But they know it's only an 18-month deal. Because we're brought up with 22 years of anger and, I don't know, eight or nine years of George Graham before that, that there's, there's, you know, there's something I love about the fact that we're loyal to our supporters, to our players, to our, to our you know, to everybody. Just, just a big one of the things I love about our club. I love the fact that we're not jumping into the decision, and now those people who were so angry two months ago, hopefully, they're um, they're uh, well, fucked off to Turkey. Sorry, fucked off to Turkey. Hopefully, <laughs> yeah. I, I was trying not to mention Messer, uh, so I made a note last night, but I was very drunk, and it said something like Theo Walcott is like Messer Özil. And I can't remember why I said it. Can anyone think of it? Because you were pissed. <laughs> I mean, I was pissed. And I think there was something along the lines of the fact that um, they're, they're on their way down. <laughs> you know, they're, they're just fading out. of the, They've found their level and they're just disappearing down the tree. And that's where I think Theo Walcott is. Um, I know Max is a big, huge fan of Theo Walcott and I watched him for years. And and Jack, he's the one player I could think, oh man, I supported him every week. I just got so fed up with supporting him week after week after week and and being disappointed week after week after week. I think it just wore me yeah. down a bit. Yeah. You can yeah, feel was... vindicated as well because he was fucking dreadful on Tuesday, wasn't he? <laughs> Thankfully. Do you know what it was a Walcott? He, he complained about not playing striker, right? He'd then be given the chance to be striker. In his first three games, he would score probably two goals, and then he would still play striker for six more weeks and then not score again. Yeah, I, I actually yeah. think that Theo Walcott should have dropped down a level and played in a counter-attacking side where he's the sole striker, where they just boot balls over the top for him to run on and score. I think he's an excellent finisher, generally, and he's really quick. Uh, uh, but he can't. He hides in games. He doesn't want the ball. He doesn't want to get involved in the game. He just wants to run onto a ball and score. And he keeps going to the wrong clubs. You know, that's not what Southampton are going to do. That's not what um, Everton did. And it's certainly not the way that Arsene Wenger played at Arsenal. Just thought we wasted years and years and years and years and years of my life watching Theo Walcott. Anyway, this is nothing about Theo Walcott. Let's uh, let's have a little bit of a laugh at Manchester United. Gone top of the table. <laughs> nah, nah, nah. Let's not, let's not laugh today. We're playing them on Saturday. You know how that's Yeah, can we wait till next week? Wait till next week for that. I'm getting, just say, uh, not getting coffee at all for that one. <laughs> all right. Well, let, let me just say this. I, so I've had a bad couple of days. I had a car crash, smashed up my lovely, sexy truck. Um, wasn't sure I could do the podcast today. Really, lots lots going on in my life outside of Arsenal. And the it was I, I had a long late night last night. I got to bed about, I don't know, one o'clock. 
uh, at an early start this morning. And I just, the telly clicked on. I didn't put the telly on. The telly, the remote control was on the bed and the telly clicked on and it, it was on BBC iPlayer and it said, watch match of the day. And I thought, Do you know what? This is one of the rare occurrences where I didn't know any results apart from the Chelsea one because my mate called me. So I could watch the four games or however many there were without knowing the results. Very rare uh, for me. And uh, it was so much fun. <laughs> you know? I love, you know, I, I, Sheffield United have been really tight in lots of games. You know, against us, they could have got something. And finally, they did against the league leaders, Manchester United, who have been coming out of their shell a lot in the last couple of weeks. I don't know if you two know any Manchester United supporters, but they're getting noisy and noisier and noisier. And uh, uh, that one shut them up a little bit. So you don't know, two don't have to say anything. But I thought it was real fun. But it sort of means that the league concertina is down even more, which brings me on to something, Jack, that you said to me uh, in a private conversation. Um, we were being positive. I'd say that Arsenal were going to finish in the top six on the podcast, uh, maybe top four. Max and Liam laughed at me. Max said we'd be about 10th. Liam, I think you said we might get top six. Um, and then when I spoke to you, Jack, when I invited you onto the pod, and this was a couple of weeks ago, so we hadn't even... We hadn't won a game at that point as well, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think we'd actually had... started our winning run. Well, I think you, I think we'd won a couple. I think we'd beaten Chelsea. I think uh, it was after Christmas. So I think we were two or three in. But you made a statement to me that I shared on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. You said you actually think that there is an outside chance that we could still win the Premier League this season. Um, can, I, I do think it's worth explaining myself because I did hear what Max said what, when you guys spoke about it last week. Um, what I meant was, I, do I think we will? No, but do we have a chance? 100% yeah. If you look at our points that we've got now compared to the last probably 10 seasons, bar the Leicester one, this is probably where we are closest points-wise in the last five years, I'd say. Um, it's just the fact that I think this year is completely unpredictable um, and I don't think that anyone can um, can assume anything for this season, if I'm being completely honest with you. Um, I think we're in a situation where, as a club, we... Look, it's possible. We're not that far off compared to other teams. We're not, points-wise, we're not, we're only, what, five points now off fourth and about 11 off top. And we're exactly halfway through the season now. So, like, yeah, I mean, look, all you, I, I, and I if, you look, most... if you look at it this way, if you oh. look at it in the fact that most of our, all of our big games bar Chelsea are at home, um, look at the, also the fact that all the, and look, I, I could be speaking massively too soon here and I completely understand that. However, if you look at the teams around us, um, in terms of the you know like all the likes of all the the, the weaker teams that are massively punching above their weight at the moment, they're all in a the situation Villas. where, yeah, yeah, Villa, all that lot. Um, they don't have big squads, and as soon as the season starts getting harder, they will drop off. I mean, the prime example is Leicester last year in the Europa League, and even when Wolves win the Europa League, like yeah, they may have been good in that competition, but they're not in the league because their squad is not big enough, and I think. If we are to continue hitting the form that we are, and look, we could end up getting smashed to shit by United, right? And then this whole argument is completely invalid. But if we can start, if we can get some level of consistency up and build on this, in three in three or so weeks, based on the fixtures that we have, it would not surprise me if we are if we are between third and fourth. Yeah, based I mean, on, based on the league I was, table. I thought I was the most positive Arsenal fan Five in the history points. of the world. One get, I've been, what, I've been, one I've been hijacked. Jack, this is uh, this is this is no, but I'm with you, Jack. The only thing I'd put, I'm 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 really with you. I think this is a really weird season, and I think that the the thing you mentioned about squads is really key. You know, we've got players coming back from injury. We started the season, you know, without uh, a full quota of players, and we've got better and better. It's taken a bit of luck, a bit of good judgment, whatever way you want to look at it, to find a Smith Rowe that's playing so well, a Saka that's on excellent form, Lacazette who's playing well. Uh, and lots of other players who were, were in such terrible form in the first two, three months of the season are all now starting to play well and the confidence is good in the side. And against Southampton, I, I disagree with Liam. I thought possibly our best performance of the season. I thought we gave everything, we chased, we we hunted yep. them down, we hunted 100%. in packs. And, and we, we created chance after chance after chance. And they had three or four really good chances against us. But we've got an excellent, excellent goalkeeper and a pretty damn good defence. So although they had three or four chances, all teams are going to get chances against us. But we battered them, I thought, for, for long periods of the game. The, the, the one thing I will say, Jack, is that what is a little makes me a little nervous is that our last five wins out of six 
And in most years, in the last 10 years, you'd expect Arsenal to win all six of those games. You know, maybe Southampton away. No, no, but maybe Southampton away is, 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 would have been a tricky one. Um, and home to Chelsea would have been a tricky one. But you'd expect us to beat Palace. You'd expect us to beat Brighton. You'd expect us to, to beat these sides if we are going to win the league. I know we haven't done, but if we were a title-winning, challenging side, you'd expect us to win those games. The issue now is now we're coming up against Manchester United. We're, we've got some games coming up that are a little bit tougher than they have been in the last six weeks. Uh, and it's really good that we've got these wins behind us because we're going into these games with with huge confidence. Wouldn't you fancy, Liam? Don't you fancy us against Manchester United at the weekend? Don't you fancy? Are, are you going into there? I'm not going in there nervous. I'm going in there with a big open heart and a lot of fun, and I'm expecting us to beat them. Um, I'm more confident after last night. Um, but I think Jack briefly touched on it that they're the they are the team away from home. I think they've got a what was it, 10 wins in a row away from home? And I don't think any other Premier League side has ever done that. Yeah, they're, right. they're a good, yeah. So, I, I, very good point. But they got batted at West Ham, come back from behind, scored a couple in the last minute. And, and that was repeated in about four or five of those games. Southampton, I think, was one. You know, they, they haven't looked good on the road. It's only when they've been behind that they've managed to find something. Teams have started yeah. to sit back against them. I think with the quality that we've got in our side, you know, I, I, I see I see there's goals everywhere at the moment. Yeah, I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. Sorry, Jack. I think it's going to be quite yeah, a high-scoring game because because we we we've started to look pretty good going forward. Saka's uh, found his role really on the right wing. Um, we've Pepe hopefully might be full might be brimming with confidence. Lacazette looks a new player, but then I don't underestimate Man United's attack because Bruno Fernandez. It is pretty bloody good. Pogba just pulls something out of thin air. I don't know how because I don't really rate him, but he just pulls things out of thin air. Rashford is a handful for anyone. Greenwood can be a handful on his day. I just I don't underestimate him, so I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. It could go either way, if I'm honest. just lost at home to the team that hasn't won all season. Yeah. <laughs> Jack, go on. Can I... I think that we, I think we have to set up right. I think we need to play the right personnel if we want to win this game. I definitely think we can. I just don't know if we'll play the right system. I mean, for me, you can talk about people like Bruno Fernandez, and I'm going to be really careful what I say because I really don't want this divide in the arse. However, someone like Thomas Partey does nullify players like that completely, and we'll, we'll keep him out of the game. And if you can take someone like him out of the game, or or, or even even Pogba, like Partey can basically dominate a midfield by himself. We've seen that every time he's played, and including against United already this season if he can do that and he can keep them out of the game as much then their width is not an issue their width of people like Rashford and Greenwood and Martial are only an issue to me if I'm to, if I'm being honest if they if, if their midfield is ticking and we have the attributes there to stop that for me we've got to play Xhaka and Partey in the middle and it's watching their defensive catastrophe last night which I've got to be honest with you, was a shambles. Hilarious. We, we, we have to either we have to play Saka on the right, um, and I can understand arguments for and against Gabby and Pepe for that left spot, but I just think we need to play the trickiest possible wingers to play against them um, in order to, to catch them out and, and to basically create issues where we know they are vulnerable. And if we do that, game's ours. I mean, we, we suit playing against teams that play against us. We tend to struggle against the teams that, that sit back because... It's just quite difficult for us for the way we play to break them down with the personnel that we've got. Um, and I think that United, especially after losing the game the way they did to Sheffield United, look, normally if a team loses to a, to a, to a weaker opposition, you think well, they're going to come back firing. The difference is now, because of the pressure they were under as title challengers, which allegedly they were, they're going to come out against us firing. And I think that might cause them more harm than good. I can't see Oli Gunnar Solskjaer getting anyone firing. I think he's doing a good job. It's back to the discussion we had at the start of the podcast when we're talking about... I think you know, he's an he's, awful manager. He have got sacked. He's very Don't good at having... He's, he's very good manager. at having a run. His team Don't. is top of the table. His team is top of the table without spending the full He gets bailed out. I don't he's rate very... him. I think he gets bailed out by his players a lot. I will say one thing. You both mentioned yeah. Pogba. Um, I'm a big fan of Pogba. I was hoping he was going to get sold and we would buy him. I thought he was perfect to upgrade on Jacker. To me, Pogba is one of those players at the press and everyone has decided he's no good. 
But if you watch him, he controls games. He does some incredible stuff. Yes, he lacks concentration sometimes and gives the ball away and does some stupid things. Tell me a player that doesn't. You know, tell me a creative genius that doesn't outside of maybe Messi and Ronaldo. You know, they're all flawed characters. I think he's superb. He works back to front, box to box. Great control, got a really good shot on him. He's won two or three games single-handedly in the last six weeks. He's the one I don't want to see playing. He's the one, if he's, if it's his day, he's the one who can destroy us. Jack, did you want to say anything else there? You were trying to come back in? Um, yeah, no, sorry. I'm, I was actually just to say that I, it's just the fact that someone like Pogba, he, he's a world-class footballer, but it's not overly impossible to keep him out of a game. And I think if we play our low block the way we do and we and we nullify that midfield, the game's ours. I, I, and, and I really do think so. And also in terms of Solskjaer, I don't think he's a good manager. I do. I feel that he's the sort of manager that um, that he's very he's good when he's in when they're in a positive run. But then that only comes once a season, and then they slump for the rest of it. It's just that that they will feel so obliged to play at us, as I was saying, that I feel like that could very much play into our hands if we play our cards right. But then saying that. If, if, for example, because Partey and Emil were getting tested to make sure there's nothing issue with that, I think it was a cramp and just looked like a bit of a knock, which they were checking out when he, when Emil came off against Southampton. As long as they're both fit, I think we're fine. I think he was just tired. I think Emil Smith Rowe. I think he just he he doesn't look like he can do he can do ninety minutes because of the style of play at the moment. You know, he, he just looked tired to me. He looked like he was sitting there on the floor and wanted a rest, wanted to come off. You know? And uh, it was a sensible decision to rest him. You know, we've got a few days, um, so we're all confident we're going to beat Manchester United. That's good. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, what about I mean up there as well someone looked this up for me and um, by the way hello to everyone who's just joined us so we're getting closer to 8 o'clock and people are starting to come in um, uh, I forgot what I was going to say now I was just reading some of the comments here um, Pogba's world class by you're not why not sentiment FC Hamble Gumbo's joined us um, why not sentiment FC Liam is right we don't hear that very often Ollie dodged a few P45s this season down to individual brilliance of players. Um, possibly. Yeah, possibly. But he's the one who picks the players. He's the one who works with the players all week. You he's know, got enough can't... to pick from, in all fairness. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure of with... options. <laughs> People always get excited about United. They're not, they are not well managed. They have, their squad is worth an absolute shit ton of money, right? They're, and I'm not trying to play the money excuse. I'm just talking about the actual investment that they've, that they've undertaken. On top of that as well, They've got world-class players. What they've literally done is sign Bruno Fernandes, who turned out to be a fucking incredible signing and got very, 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 very lucky. Like, I don't think anyone could really, like, doubt that. I mean, it, they were shit before he came. Yeah, yeah, like, maybe yeah. so. But it's surely, you know, then the club have bought that player. The manager's got some say in that. You know, you can't blame me for everything when they're top of the table. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You can't all just say he's rubbish and it's all down to the players. You know, you Jose know Mourinho have been top of the table. So Jose Mourinho was managing that side. And they, you know, they were. He's doing better than that on paper at the moment, isn't he? Yeah, but I mean, do you know how many teams have been top of the table this year? Yeah, we've been top of the table. Even, even we have. <laughs> even we have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, First game of the, the season. <laughs> See, look, yeah. Um, why? What? I'm just going to go back to um, why not sentiment FC who says can't wait to be rid of Xhaka and that's the sort of comment and I'm not picking on you it's just that if you just joined us which I was talking at the very start of this podcast about um, giving players um, your support while you're watching it for 90 minutes Xhaka is the most improved player in this run that we're having you know we were terrible everyone was out of form at the start of the season everybody Aubameyang Lacazette you know all of these all of these players in that team Xhaka was fairly poor our defence was poor Apart from perhaps Tierney, you know, there wasn't really much of life in that in that team. Xhaka, amongst others, has played so well in the last six games to what I've ever seen him play. And I've watched most of his football for Arsenal, if not all of it. And he's playing really well at the moment. He's looking forward. He's got a new lease of life. He's looking for those balls that are cutting defences open. He's shooting a bit more often. He's even scored a goal. And now we can't wait to be rid of him. I can't wait to see if this continues all season and then what a great team we'll have for next year. You know, I always said there's an upgrade out there for Jacker, but when he's playing so well, well, let's not get on his back. He's playing well. Can I I answer? Can I I just say something? I really don't mean if this comes across rudely to the listener, but can I, I just want to suggest to to, to him and people, people like that, stop 
taking your opinions based on what other people have put on social media. Stop looking at price tags because even price tags, that's the nature of the game these days. Get over it. For, watch Xhaka play and form your own opinion because I'm sorry, he has been, and this isn't, you can say he's been in and out of being consistent, whatever. Over the last two, three seasons, he has been our most important player for how we play, no matter how you like him or not. Under Emery, when it was him and Tamara, as soon as he gets injured or moved to left back because we had injuries, he then the whole team falls apart. Same thing happened last year with, with Arteta, and the same and the same thing happens here. When he plays consistency, he is look, he may not be a big name, but then nor was Jordan Henderson a couple of years ago. Xhaka is a very similar sort of player for us than he is at Liverpool. And all I can say is stop listening to idiots' opinions online and focus on your own and watch him. Because you cannot be watching Arsenal over the last month or so and have that opinion without being anything other than an agenda. And that is a fact. Yeah, exactly what I was saying. Exactly my feeling. The last six weeks, he has been amongst, you know, a whole raft of players have improved dramatically in the last six weeks. And he's been up there as our, one of our best players. His, his form is exceptional at the moment. You know, this is the Xhaka that we wanted. And now we've got him. Let's not criticise him. You know, let's enjoy it. You know, there's plenty of time, I'm sure, in the future it's going to have some bad games. I wanted to just bring in Liverpool as well. We talked about Manchester United and Chelsea. Liverpool are on the sort of run that we were on before uh, before Christmas. You know, they can't get a goal. They can't buy a win. They scored seven at Crystal Palace over Christmas and they've hardly found the back of the net since. Now, I'm married to a, a beautiful lady from Liverpool who happens to be in Indonesia at the moment, so I can't even enjoy their decline as much as I would like. But uh, just in case she's listening, which I doubt she is, but uh, are we enjoying Liverpool's decline? <laughs> no, because it means United might win the league. United might win. I want Mad City. City will win it. I think City will run away with it. I think when you look at this, is yeah. what I was going to mention to Jack. So I remember what I was going to say earlier now, Jack. When you're very confident that Arsenal, not sorry, confident, when you're saying there's an outside chance that we could end up winning the league because it's a real crazy, crazy season, I tend to agree that we can get up there in the top four. But I look at the teams above us and think if they're better or worse than us. And I think all, a lot of the teams that are above us, we are better, than We're better than Wolves. We're better than Southampton. I know we've gone above them now. Um, we're, we're better than Tottenham, I think. We're, uh, you know, so I can see us fighting all those. But I don't think we're quite as good as Manchester City and they've got quite a big lead on us. And they've just won 10 on the, on, in a row. I can't see them I, losing four or five I, games. I, I agree. I just meant it from a mathematical point of view. It's yeah. just, I feel like, I just kind of feel that there's going to be one big surprise at the end of the season. Right, we've seen a lot of bullshit anyway so far, but I think there's going to be one standout surprise, and I haven't got a faintest clue what that is. That could be us getting top four. Could be on to be honest, considering where we were. Don't get me wrong. Could be West Ham. You know, they always crumble. <laughs> well, that's the top. downside of all of this is that I am from the part of the world where I've got lots of West Ham mates. Uh, West Ham and Tottenham tend to be the uh, the bulk of my friends, and they're giving us some shit. Uh, I had a, I had that car crash and. Um, one of my mates found out and he posted it on our WhatsApp group and said, oh, do you know Darren's written off his lovely truck? And uh, one of them said, replied, a West Ham fan, and just said, I'm really sorry to hear about your, your car accident. Not how are you? Not hope you're feeling okay. He said, I just want to tell you how proud I am to be a Londoner at the moment. <laughs> and he's from South Ockenden. It's just this, this all about West Ham at the moment. They're all posting pictures of the league. They're playing well. They're playing with confidence. They're, they're doing well. But I, I'd like to think we're still better than them. And they're one of the teams that we can overhaul. Um, they were ninth the last week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you're well, right. that's, that's my point exactly, to be fair. One yeah, round of pictures, yeah. they're fourth. Yeah, it does make you think, Jack, though, doesn't it? That if we, I mean, uh, if, 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 it's a horrible word, but that poor start that we had where there was a lot of close games that went against us, if we had got a little bit more out of the first part of the season, we would now be talking about a title challenge after putting a run of six out of seven wins, wouldn't we? 100%. 100%. However, I think that that weak start is actually going to massively fall into our favour. And I think that, look, I'm not sure, I I say every year we're going to, get top four and win the league and shit don't get me wrong but I really do think we're going to get top four this year if, if, if we keep this up because I also think we've signed impeccably well um, and we've added to our squad we've we've reduced some of the deficit in terms of what we need I, I think we're going to have a strong second half of the season I think we've learned a lot of our, our mistakes as well and I think having two attacking midfield options means that we can also start to unlock those teams that play really deep at the back 
I'm, I'm, that, I'm really interested to see how it goes. Yeah, that's a perfect segue. So the next thing I've got on my list here is to talk about the uh, the one signing we made in the transfer window. You're right, we we removed some players. Two. We've reduced the wage bill. That's all excellent, excellent news for the future. Uh, it, it unties our hands a little bit. It frees us up maybe to do something in the summer, which would be fantastic. Um, but we've we've signed Martin Odegaard uh, from Real Madrid on a on a half season loan. Um, you're nearer that part of the world, Liam. You happy? You excited? You know much about him? Uh, never... Yeah, I'm about. Yeah, no, I'm 45 minutes away from uh, here in Vane, uh, where he played. Um, from what I gather, I, I don't think here in Vane's were particularly enamoured by him, but it does come with a strong caveat. He was 16, 17 when he played for him, but by all accounts, he's been pretty brilliant at uh, Vitesse Arnhem um, it, it, over here in the Netherlands. He was got goals and assists wasn't just playing well he actually got the you know there was an output there and at Ralph Sosiedad excuse me um, he'd be quite brilliant for them I haven't actually seen a lot of him I haven't done my usual you know YouTube watching uh, <laughs> as I usually do um, but by all accounts from what I'm seeing from you know people involved at Hidden Vane Vitesse Sociedad online and bits and pieces by all means, he's meant to be pretty bloody brilliant, and um, it, that, that alone gets you excited. Okay, so Jack, you're you're chipping in there, agreeing with uh, Liam. You, you're excited by the signing. Um, yeah, I, funny enough, I actually think he's um, he has a lot of similarities to a couple of players we had recently in the sense of the nature of the the issues he's had. Um, Martin was signed at I think 15 um, by Real Madrid, given a stupidly big wage with a shit ton of bonuses, um, which completely deserved. But um, he, yeah, he didn't quite, he didn't quite pass it. He went on a couple of loans um, and, and he had a, last season, I'd say, was probably his breakthrough season. It was a few years later than everyone kind of thought he'd develop. He was at Sociedad. He was fantastic, um, to, to, put it, to put it loosely. And he has fallen out of Madrid. He hates Zidane. Um, and I think it's quite clear from even just given number 11 that the idea is he's going to stay permanently. Um, we're going to try and sort something out in the summer. It does seem like. That's just from the. I mean, I study sports business just from looking at the looking at the the facts. That's just how it how it presents itself to me. Um, however, I think that I actually think that our other signing has been a stroke of genius, and that was uh, that was Matt Ryan from, from Brighton. Um, we've obviously gone and signed a Premier League proven goalkeeper, a very good one uh, for that fact. Who can come in, he can do a shift, he can be a proper number two, and now it means that if we lose Leno, because we could do. We have a very capable goalkeeper again as a number two, and and, and oh, I'm got, really I'm really positive about that one. I want to get on to Leno because it is. I've only got a couple of players I want to talk about Leno as well. So we'll come back to that. But just coming back to Odegaard, the question I guess I have as somebody who's never seen him before, don't watch a lot of European football, um, and just looking at the black and white, you know, facts. He was a, a wonder kid that want, was wanted by every club in the world. Um, he chose Real Madrid. He chose Real Madrid when he had a host of clubs he could have gone to. Um, He's been out on loan three times and now can't get into the Real Madrid side and he's fallen out with his manager. There's some flaws there somewhere, is there not? I mean, not really when you've got Modric. A sense. If you look at the players ahead of him, yeah, and he's yeah, a young kid, it does make sense. He was a wonder kid four years ago. Um, he, he now can't get into that side. And, you know, he's there. You know, we're all hoping he's going to be good, but, you know, it normally takes some time to settle into the Premier League. It's a, He looks quite a a slight figure and it's quite a physical division. Um, he's, he's been playing in a, in a country where it's not so physical and they're given a little bit more time on the ball. Uh, is, you know, are we getting a little bit too excited or are we going to take our own advice, Jack, and wait and actually see him play before we make too many decisions about him? Oh, no, no, for sure. I just think that with someone like Odegaard, it's the case where some players develop differently. So, for example, let's say the, the best way to describe this is Saliba and uh, Fafana. People say, well, look, Fafana's doing amazingly. He's come from the same team. He's young. Saliba doesn't need the, the experience on, on loan, etc. Players, especially when they're young, develop in different ways. People's bodies develop differently. Some develop quicker. Some take longer. Um, and also the maturity of players changes. I mean, it all depends on... on it, it's a very personal thing how a player adapts. Um, and I think it did take Odegaard, as I said, quite a lot longer than, than, than it normally would for other players. However... Last season showed that what he really can offer, and I mean, look, I, I completely agree with you. We we do need to wait and see how he turns out because I don't want to get too excited. But rather than people, I mean, I've seen online a lot of people saying, "Oh, he's not what we need," etc. The person I trust the most, 
but yeah, I've seen loads of it, surprisingly. And the, okay. the, the thing I've seen, <laughs> the one thing I have seen, though, is um, a certain Arsenal, I'd say a folk hero, I wouldn't call him a legend at all, but uh, Nacho Monreal, who was with him last season at Sociedad, oh, said that he legend. is fantastic. Not a legend, but like in terms of his like some of the goals he scored and his input over years, he's be he's like I'd say he's a, he's fan a club favorite. hero in a way. Yeah, fan favorite. He 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 really rates it. He he really rates him and says he's a fantastic signing. And he's played at Arsenal. He's played with Mikel. Um, and I I I trust him knowing the player more than anyone to be able to pass that opinion. I mean, look, time will tell. He could end up being a Denis Suarez, but at the end of the day, his stats last year showed that he has he has he's a lot of good and. Regardless, it's a six-month trial period. If we like him, we can sign him permanently. I'd much rather that than take a 30 million gamble to begin with. So, yeah. All right. if he does the work, you just, move on. I just want to temper... I mean, Liam, you wanted to come in there back there, I think. But I just want to temper the excitement at the moment because we get very excited when we spend 72 million on Pepe. Um, and we also got very, very excited, if any of you were old enough to remember, when we signed a 16-year-old Theo Walcott who got taken to the, the World Cup that year. You know, and and it's sort of like you know they that didn't work out too well, did it? And the seventy-two million pound is now a millstone on the on the on the neck of uh, of Pepe. You know, I, I'm just tempering the excitement. Let's watch, wait and see what we got. He, I saw his interview. I saw his interview yesterday on uh, Arsenal.com, and he seemed excellent. He spoke beautiful English, which is a real bonus. He was very familiar with the Premier League. I think he probably supported Manchester United because he kept saying how much he liked Arsenal and he liked Arsenal and he watched the Premier League since he was a kid with his mates. But I got the impression they were all Man United fans. Uh, and so, it's, But I watched it and I thought, this is going to be a good signing. He can fit straight in. He speaks, obviously, Spanish, I would imagine. He speaks English. He should get on very well in his side. But let's just temper the excitement until we see him. Huh? Liam, did you want to say anything more on the new signing? Before I move uh... back on to Leno? Yeah, n- not an, an awful lot. I think we've covered it pretty well. Hit the nail on the head there, really. I, I, I do see it as kind of a bit of low risk as well. Like we're getting this this player, and it's sort of fitting the mould of this creative player we we've been looking at. If you believe the rumours, Buendia, for example, uh, is the one off the top of my head. Um, so it feels very low risk. And if Odegaard himself doesn't work out, maybe we find that actually there is still we want someone in that place. And we've had a chance to get, you know, a system that that works with that player, and we can then, you know, look to a different person, or we we try and get Odegaard himself if he's if he's good enough. It, it feels quite low risk, so um, yeah, just can't complain. And yeah, I've got this excitement about him. The fact that we've got plenty of cover on the both left and right wing, and this is looks very much like cover for Smith Rowe or somebody playing in that sort of position, or if you move to a four-three-three, there's some options there. Um, is is can you see them both playing together, or is this an either-or situation? It's very difficult to say because we haven't seen him play yet. But um, is, is this an either-or, or or can you see them both playing in the same side? Um. You could possibly. I don't. I haven't seen much of Odegaard myself. What I, what I've seen and what I've read, he tends to play in this sort, of, the right half space, that right inside channel, and I think Smith Rowe's quite good on the left side of that as well. Smith Rowe tends to go both directions, whereas from what I hear, Odegaard tends to stick to that right side. So possibly you do find a way, and you say Smith Rowe actually rather than go both sides, stick to the left. Um, and you find a way of, of filling our, our five lanes that way. There's probably a way to do it. it. Might take a smarter man than me, but I think it will most likely be an either or. Okay, Jack. You mentioned uh, you were talking about a new goalkeeper, Jack. You're on mute, by the way. I'm sure you know. Um, but uh, the um, yeah, you're not now. Yeah, you mentioned the new goalkeeper we signed, which I don't know much about, but all good. But the, the thing, I, I actually only made a note on four players. Pepe, we've sort of talked about, you know, about the, the, the sort of excitement he brings to me, even if he's not the perfect player. I, you know, try and forget that £72 million price tag and just enjoy watching him taking on players. And we've talked uh, about the new signing, Martin Odegaard. The other, there's two other players I wanted to talk about briefly. One was um, Leno. Uh, you know, I've always been a big fan. I've watched a lot of goalkeepers in my time at Arsenal and he's good. You know, he's good. He's very, very, very good. Um, and then, of course, a freak injury. He's out of the team. 
we get Martinez in and then suddenly everyone decides Leno is rubbish. I watch Leno and I just think he is an exceptional goalkeeper. Have we now put that complete discussion to bed? Are people now watching Leno week in, week out, pull off, pull off save after save after save and just realise that we're very lucky and we've got a very, very good goalkeeper, Jack? I mean, I, I said this on the on Clock End Talk the other day. I, I'm so glad that all these comparisons have stopped. I mean, I, I really like Leno. I always have. I mean, I even said when he got injured, look, I'm, I'm not upset. I mean, look, Leno's a world-class keeper, but Martinez is very good. And I, and I think the people get carried up in hype far too quickly. And, and I, look, I really rate um, I, I really rate Leno. I, I, he reminds me a lot of Lehmann as well in how he's a commanding German, the way he is and everything. He, he has that ruthless kind of goalkeeper mentality sort of thing which which i think is crucial and, and yeah i i uh I, I i i think we've got one of the best keepers in the league i mean i know yeah, liam, you are, but liam you are a goalkeeper you know mm. we're a goalkeeper you know both of us i just never see an issue with him you know all, all players make mistakes and occasionally he will make one but he's been exceptional this season really exceptional yeah it absolutely has been i think he's a brilliant goalkeeper he's one of the best shot stoppers in the league for me you know, are there things that can work on that, that that he can work on on his game? Sure, his distribution's not the best, and you know maybe he's not the best in the league at taking crosses. Emmy happened to be very, very good at both, um, but that that seems to be what made the argument that suddenly we have to keep Martinez, we have to, and Leno's no good anymore. No, Emmy. I should mention it. Did you watch? Yeah. I didn't want to talk about Martinez. He don't play for Arsenal anymore. I wish him the very best of luck. He'll always have a, a place in my heart because of his uh, his his part to be played in the 2020 FA Cup. You know, he's he's uh, he's always going to be in Arsenal folklore. Reserve goalkeeper for ten years. You know, finally made his way to the top and played exceptionally well for for two months, three months, whatever it was. So I don't wish him any ill, but I did watch him letting three and a couple of dodgy ones last night after watching Leno make three or four outstanding saves. You know, I was just hoping that conversation would just put to bed. You know, that's that's why I mention it. I just hope yeah. that those people who have been critical of Leno for no real reason will now shut up. Yeah, I hope so. Just to just to round off the point, it was more that sure Emmy can do those two things maybe better than than Martinez. But at the end of the day, it's not like Leno is absolutely god awful at both of them. Can he work on them? Sure, but we just as Jack mentioned uh, briefly, I think a couple of minutes ago, we seem to have these very short memories. Leno is pretty bloody brilliant, um, and and he's reminding us, I guess. <laughs> this is all getting a bit too positive, isn't it? This uh... <laughs> we all agree it's weird. Uh, just have a little couple of comments. Um, people were revising history on Leno and the nostalgic style of Martinez of a Seaman or Banks. Can I tell you about David Seaman? David Seaman's probably, probably the best goalkeeper I've seen at Arsenal. Um, probably. But he was better before they brought in the rule where you couldn't, uh, where you, 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 sorry, you used to be able to just pick it up. You could pick up a back pass. And Seaman was really rubbish with his feet. He was really part of old school. He would never have made it into today's game. He couldn't play football. He was an outstanding goalkeeper. He used to come to uh, Highbury for Queen's Park Rangers, I remember. It was a game. He was just unbeatable. And when we bought him at the end of that season, I thought we've got the best goalkeeper ever. When they changed the rule that he couldn't pick up a back pass, which happened, I'm sure, within his time frame at Arsenal, he wasn't quite as good. <laughs> you know, he wasn't very good with his feet. But uh, so I would love, love seeing him, but who knows if he'd have been any good uh, in today's game. And um, just one last player I want to finish up with before we, we go on. By me, we have done an hour pretty much already. Um, is Cedric. I mentioned at the end of last week's podcast, we finished on Cedric then, and I was saying that he had earned the right to retain his place in the Premier League team because of his outstanding performance at right back in the last game he played there. Uh, I can't remember that was, was it Newcastle? Uh, yes. And then, of course, due to Tierney being missing, Bellerin came back in and we saw Cedric on the left-hand side. And Liam, you mentioned last week that um, Cedric was an option on the left. Uh, well, we got to see it uh, yesterday. And how good was he again with those cross-field passes? I thought he was exceptional yesterday. Oh, yeah, the third goal, Willian absolutely rifles uh, that pass from about five yards away at Cedric. 
but the cushion he manages to cushion it just so perfectly that he doesn't need to take a touch to get it out of his feet it's not gone five yards away from him it's cushioned just perfectly so that he can actually then make the brilliant switch over to Saka as well it was it, I mean I we, we might be disingenuous after the game he said I don't even think he saw me he's just hit it into space <laughs> Which actually watched, <laughs> he said that. I watched the highlights again and he, he looks up sees exactly where he is and smashes the perfect ball and um, Jack uh, C- Cedric um, is one of those players that's coming under the radar seemed a very strange signing to sign a a player on a six-month loan um, at the end of his contract, paid a little bit over the top for him, was injured, uh, and was one of those players that got criticism from day one, uh, me included. Not not that I was critical of the player, but wasn't sure he was the right sort of signing. You know, an experienced, probably quite expensive player to sit on the bench. But when he has come in, he's been okay. Uh, when he's come in recently, he's been exceptional. You happy? Is he is he uh, your new right back in this club? I mean, I quite controversially rate rate Bellerin. I'm being honest with you. I think when Saka plays with Bellerin on the right, he gives him the defensive cover that Pepe doesn't, and Bellerin can bomb forward without any risk. I, I do like Cedric. I mean, I think the signing back then just fit criteria is a very good. Um, what do you call it? Diverse uh, backup kind of option. You can kind of play right back, left back, centre back, CDM, kind of wherever you need him to. Um, yeah, and I think I think it's I think it's gone well, and I think he's I think he's finally a bit that bit more settled where he's starting to show the impact that he that he can uh, that he can give. And I don't know if that's because of who's in front of him, but he's definitely looked a lot better. And I think he's another one of those squad players that we seem to be building so we can have this sort of squad like City, where no matter who we play, um, we can kind of rotate and still be strong. And I think that's important if we want to build a title winning team over the next three four years. Interesting, you said uh, controversially. Your words, controversially. I, I like Bellerin. That's what you said. Um, I don't think it's controversial. I mean, if those who know me well, Bellerin. When I talk about having favourite players, Bellerin's been one of them. I love him on the pitch. I love him off the pitch. I love the fact that he's a smart footballer. I like the fact that he's 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 not just a footballer. A bit like Cesc Fabregas, he's going to develop. I'm sure into a really wonderful human being. He's somebody we can be proud of to be um, captain of our club at the moment. Uh, I've got no issue with Bellerin. It's just that I've watched Bellerin play this season and I just think that there's a little bit of um, negativity crept into his game. He would rather come back inside than try things. Not always. I'm not saying he's been a bad, had a bad season, but I actually think that Cedric in the game against Newcastle put in such terrific crosses from the right-hand side. You know, really, and he, he was always hitting that uh, byline, always looking in that space where Bellerin would come inside and come backwards. Cedric was just kept going and bombing forward. And he was the difference in that game. I thought he played really well. And then to see him switch to the left-hand side where he you know, wasn't as comfortable, didn't have the same sort of rapport on the left-hand side. But to hit those cross-field balls, he now just looks like a, a proper good Arsenal player and, and not just oh, a strange... No, sorry, Spurs just scored. Spurs, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <Guts>. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's okay because we know how Jose Mourinho plays. I can predict this now. They have scored in the early seven one, early part seven the one to they Liverpool. Do. They will now sit back for eighty five minutes, and uh, and Liverpool will score two in the last five. Get that bet on now, everyone. You can thank oh. me later. Well, look, the football's on. We've done an hour. We've done an hour and two minutes. I always try to keep these to an hour. Um, I'd like to say thank you to my guest this evening, Liam. Uh, Liam, people can find you at Gronin Guna. Um, thank you very much for joining me as usual. No worries. Thank you for having me as, as usual as well. And Jack, uh, it's really not great debut on the show. It's really nice to have some positive thoughts. Um, I know I can be a bit over positive and some people get a bit sick of me being too positive. I'm not. When we're doing really well, I tend to go negative just to play devil's advocate. But um, it's nice to have a positive uh, voice. Uh, I've listened to a lot of the stuff you've done. And I think you're the shining light in the Clock End Talk uh, podcast where you bring some positivity into what has turned into quite a negative show. So, Jack, thank you so much for joining me no, today. It's a, it's a pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. And um, I'll definitely at some point uh, come on. However, just like to say, Son is, like is about to get the tightest offside ever ruled against him. Oh, oh my lord. <laughs> Got it on the TV to, to my right, is it? All right, guys, let's go. Yes, so we ruled out. Go Wonderful. As I say, thank you for joining us. Um, we put the support into supporters, the fan into fanatic, and the men into countrymen. <laughs>
just that was one for Max. <laughs> Can't have a show without Max. Uh, gentlemen, thanks for joining us. We will be on, don't know what day next week. Don't know when we're playing next week. Anyone know when we're playing next week? Wolves on Tuesday. Wolves on Tuesday. In which case, same time, probably eight o'clock. So not the same time, same day, Thursday Night Live. We'll be on Thursday next week at eight o'clock and we look forward to joining you all then. Thanks for listening. <laughs>